morning, church family. Um, my name is Travian Weems. I'm a senior at Owasso High School, and I will be attending Coastal Carolina University next year. That's a long ways away, but <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, we will be reading out of Ecclesiastes 2, and it's our tradition that we stand in the reading of God's words. So if you'll stand and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and read along with me. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it was mad, and of pleasure, what use of it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also had gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, it did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, guys. You know, this is a, it's an emotional day for us because we have a senior that is graduating and so the, I'm thankful for our student ministry. I'm thankful for our students getting to lead us today. And, I'm, and uh, so I probably won't cry during this message, so I'll do my best. But we're in Ecclesiastes, and this is, a, this is a great book, and it's an important book. And I think it's a great book to deal with even on this Sunday as we honor our seniors all day long. But um, Ecclesiastes deals with the dash. And by the dash, I'm talking about the dash of our lives. It's, it's common to look at the life of a, the lifespan of a person, and it begins with the date of our birth. And then on a tombstone, on all of our stones, if we have that, if we go that route, there'll be the date of our birth, and there'll be the date of our death, and there'll be that dash in the middle. And in Ecclesiastes, that's what it deals with. It, it, it deals with the dash of life. It speaks to the ups and downs of life. It, it shows that that's normal. Good times and bad times are normal. And one of the things I prayed today as we sang that song, Lord, you give and you take away. That's a hard song to sing. Because the reality is there are ups and downs of life. There are times that the Lord gives blessings. There are times that we go without and the, and the Lord takes away. And these are hard concepts, but these are, it's life. And it's normal to go through the ups and downs of life. Ecclesiastes speaks to this. Ecclesiastes is a little bit of a philosophical journey, um, a philosophical pondering of life and, and life under the sun. You'll see over and over again through this book. You know, in this, uh, we, 
we, we see the preacher, and, and that's, that's who is identified as the author of Ecclesiastes. He identifies himself as, as the preacher to people. Now, we believe it, that it's Solomon who wrote this, and what's interesting is Solomon wrote this book 3,000 years ago. I mean, th- think about that. When I was in Israel, we were walking around Israel, and, and we were at this uh, point overlooking at the, um, the, the, the Armageddon, where Armageddon is going to take place. And, and we were there, and they said, yeah, see this wall right here? Solomon built that wall. It's 3,000 years old. And we were like, wow, my house isn't going to last 3,000 years, but Solomon built something that was 3,000 years old, and it's still around. Now, Solomon wrote this book 3,000 years ago, but what's interesting, when you read it, you would think that the writer of this book had a subscription to Netflix, or, or he'd been watching the news this week. And this is why I see that the, the book of Ecclesiastes is so relevant to the world we live in. Now, here's the summary. If you're going to summarize this book in, in one sentence, I, I think I would do it this way. Ecclesiastes describes a life surrendered to God's purposes is the only path to genuine meaning. Now, let's think about that. If you're going to live a life that is genuinely meaningful, then, then the only way you will accomplish that is to live your life surrendered completely to God's purposes. But here's the reality. Most people are surrendered to their own purposes, their own own goals, their own pursuits, their own um, plans. And what we see in the book of Ecclesiastes is a a life surrendered to his purposes is the only path to meaning. And and I'm thankful that we're we're speaking this on a day that that we're studying this book at, at this time with our seniors, our seniors in high school. Because you know what, if they can get this as young people, if they can understand this as young people, I'll tell you what, it will radically impact the rest of their days. Because so many of us, we, we've, we've not lived that way. And, but, but here's the deal, it's not too late, it's never too late to turn your face to God's purposes. Now, it, and here's the, here's the point, Ecclesiastes moves us to this um, if, if our lives are focused on this world only, on this path only, on what, what this world has to offer, do you know what you're headed towards? You're headed for despair. You're headed for depression and, and, and truly hopelessness. And, and the reality is God's way really is the best way. And, 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 and as you surrender to God's plan for your life, it's not only going to help you on this side of the sun, Ecclesiastes talks about under the sun, but if you surrender to God's purposes, it's going to prepare you for that meeting with God over the sun, if you will. When we move outside of the linear time um, limitation, if you will, and, and, and I want you to know that's a, that's a, that's a point, that's, a, that's an appointment on every person's calendar. And we need to understand that. Now, like Keith said earlier, the lens that you have to understand the book of Ecclesiastes is Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. That's that's a spoiler alert. That's the end of the book. That's the point of the book. And this is why we're praying and challenging you to memorize this passage of Scripture. 
And memory's hard nowadays. You know, we, we, don't, we used to have to memorize phone numbers, didn't we? And now we don't, you probably can't recall a phone number because all you do is I'll just punch the number in my phone, the name in my phone. And so, you know, we live in a day with so much information, we don't memorize as well as we used to. And, and so we need to learn to bring this back this memory back. So that, that card in your, in your worship guide, that's helpful as, you, as you're learning to memorize. Write that verse, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 on one side, the reference on the other side. And I want to challenge you to work to memorize that over the next several weeks. And think about what that verse says. The end of the matter, all has been heard. After all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing. So the things even that you brought in today that are secret things, God brings that into judgment, whether good or evil. Now, Solomon, what he did is he lived his dash, and and he systematically tested every earthly pursuit. And that's an interesting perspective. Because in his wisdom, I mean, he asked God for wisdom, and God said, okay, he moved him to systematically test these pursuits, and then he unveiled this incredible piece of wisdom. And now as we live our lives, we can learn wisdom on our own by saying, I'm going to learn just from my hard knocks, or we can benefit from the wisdom of others. Now, my recommendation to our seniors, to all of us in our lives, let's learn from the wisdom of others. Let's learn from the mistakes of others. And, and this is the beauty of the book of Ecclesiastes. We get to learn from the mistakes of Solomon. And my prayer for us is that, is that God's wisdom becomes all of our experience. That when it comes to the, the experience of our lives, we experience the benefit, the joy, the stability, the security of living underneath the wisdom of God. And this is my prayer. Now, um, and here's what I pray that you see. That much of the despair, the depression, the hopelessness that we see in our world, do you know where that comes from? That really does come from living this life apart from God. And that's where it comes from. If you choose to live your life apart from God, apart from his wisdom, apart from his, his instruction, then you give it enough time and you will eventually produce despair, frustration, and emptiness. And what's amazing is that God has told us, God's even given us his word saying, you don't have to do that. You can, you can live your life in a meaningful way. And invest in the meaningful things. Now, point number one is this. If you're following along in your notes, I gave you this last week, but, but I want us to start here. If you were with us last week, we, uh, we kind of ran out of time. And, uh, and, but point number one is this, to conduct consistent dash checks. And this is a good practice for us. And, I, and this is what the, the book of Ecclesiastes offers. It gives us the opportunity to kind of do a dash check. Now, here's what I mean by that. I'm talking about uh, so many people just live their life without just stopping and thinking, how's it going? 
am I on the right track? And I'll tell you, I don't want to get to the end of their, my life and then stop and go, okay, well, man, how am I doing? Most, most of the time, people get that phone call that says, oh, you've got an unlimited amount of time now. And then you go, oh, my goodness, i got to evaluate. Am I on the right? Oh, i got to fix some things. And what my prayer is is that we're, we're constantly doing that. we got to constantly do that. It's like the challenge I've always heard. If you knew for sure that Jesus was going to come back next Thursday at 4 p.m., would you change your schedule? That's a good question to ask. Because I hope that I'm living such a way in my walk with the Lord that I would keep my calendar. If I knew. Now, we don't. No preacher knows. So don't follow the people that say they know because they don't. Um, But... But the truth is we ought to be constantly conducting dash checks. How are you doing? And this is what my prayer is through this this book. I mean, this is why this Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 makes so much sense. Look at it. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So point number one is this. Conduct consistent dash checks. But now point two is simple. Look at it. Conduct a work check. What is a dash check? Well, let's let's start by a work check. Look at Ecclesiastes 2. Look at this. Um, Ecclesiastes 2 is this incredible lesson and 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 this work check is important for us because because I would argue that sometimes when people say hey tell me about yourself when's the last like think about the last time somebody asked you that question tell me about yourself most of the time we go to well I'm a preacher or I'm a teacher or I'm an engineer or I work for American Airlines or or I you know, work for this and this. And most of the time, when somebody says, hey, who are you? We immediately identify ourselves with the work that we do. And, and I think this is something we ought to evaluate. Because it's like we started this ambassador baseball team in 2008. And every year we make this statement to our ambassador baseball players. Because these guys have grown up and they're good at baseball. They've identified themselves as athletes, as baseball players. And, and, uh, and they're funny guys. They're fun to be around. And, 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 you know, we've tried to help them see that you're not, your identity is not being a baseball player. We tell them, look, baseball is just something you do, but your identity is found in Christ. And one of the things that Solomon does very well is he helps us kind of evaluate the work of our lives. And in this passage, we see a couple of things. We see in in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 that pleasure alone will not fulfill your life. Most of us work to buy things, to make our lives more pleasurable. But look at verse 1. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this is vanity. And, and, and this is the, the, the idea that we live. In America especially, we work so we can play. 
we work for pleasure. And Solomon is saying, look, if that's all you're about, if you're just in pursuit of pleasure, it's going to be empty for you. And, and our college kids, they're going to go to college and they're going to be sold this ball of goods that the college party lifestyle is the way to go. But, but I've seen, and when I was in college, and I see with those kids that have come, that I've ministered to as a youth pastor for many years, that, that that's empty. It, it produces great struggle and instability. And, and I look at adults, and, and one of the things that they look back on their college years, this pursuit of pleasure has produced some of the most empty and biggest mistakes of their lives. And so it's very important for us to not buy into the idea that, that is being sold to America and sold to people all through history is that pleasure is what it's all about. And Solomon says, look, it's vanity. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And see, the, we, are, we are sold this idea that sin is fun. Sin is, is, is enticing. And, and, and it is fun for a season, the Bible says. And, and I learned a long time ago from my youth pastor this reality of pleasure and sin and, 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 the, and the hook of that, the, the trap of that, that sin will always take you further than you want to go. It will always take you further than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin has a price tag that's higher than you want to pay. And this is the reality of sin. And he says, look, it's empty. If you're in right now, if you are in pursuit of, of pleasure and you're working just to buy pleasurable things, it's empty. Look, look at verse 2. He says, I said of laughter. It is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I mean, he even says laughter is crazy. Now, we get this, don't we? I mean, I, I, I learned this in my marriage. I mean, Robin and I have laughed and laughed at some of the, we, we had a couple we met with the other day. I don't know if I have time to tell the story or not, but, but it was the funniest moment in my marriage. And uh, we told him the story that we just laughed and laughed, and I don't have time for it, but it's really a good story. And, and we told him this. This story, and they, when we told them, they were like, You're, that is hilarious. It was so funny. Um, and, and, but when I look at the laughter that Robin and I have had for each, with each other and around each other, that's not what has bonded our lives together. That's not why I love this woman so deeply. It's been the difficult times. It's been the, I'll never forget the moment that I was facing one of the greatest tragedies of ministry and life that I've ever known. And Robin said, do, you, do I need to come up to the church? I said, please. And I had about 150 teenagers in the chapel waiting for me. And they're, they're grieving over the, the loss, the death of one of our seniors in high school, in our youth ministry. He had just graduated and he died in a sudden car accident. And they were all waiting for me. I was a young youth minister, and I didn't, and I had to, someone had to go talk to this group of teenagers that are in the, in the chapel, and guess what? It was me. Robin walks in the door of the church, and I see her down the hallway, and I walked up to her, and I, had been, I was broken. I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. And I walked up to her, and I put my head on her shoulder, 
and I wept. I fell apart on her shoulder for about seven seconds. And then I look up and I go, okay, I'm ready. I mean, if you'd have been watching me, you'd have thought, that dude's nuts. But it was, see, it was, it's the, it's not the laughter that has caused the bond between my, in my marriage. It's the, it's the working, that's the, the tragedies, the support through the difficulties has been the glue that has made our marriage meaningful. So let's not buy into this lie that, oh, it's just laughter that's meaningful. No, it's, let's not buy into that with our walk with God either. It's the times that, that he does give and take away that teaches us that, God, you are faithful and we can trust you. That's why Solomon says, I said of laughter, it's mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? Verse 3, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, and my heart is still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. You know, this is not really a discourse in thou shalt not drink. What it's saying is, is this, this tendency for people to self-medicate, that, that if I can self-medicate, then, then my problems will go away. And we do this with all kinds of things. And the lesson here is that, look, um, pleasure, and it's not going to help you. It's, it's this, um, this work check. Let's make sure we're checking our work here. Not just the work that we do, but the work of our lives. Are we in pursuit of pleasure? We see that it doesn't fulfill our lives. Another thing you see, possessions will quickly disappoint you. And, and you've got to see this. We always look at someone else that has a nicer car or a better house. And we think, oh man, if I got that, that would be good. Look what Solomon says, verse 4. I made great works. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks and planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves. I had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, many and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. Solomon says, look, I bought everything. You talk about the work of my life. I had stuff. And this is why Keith was right today that in, in, when he was up here earlier that, that some of the most empty people we know are those that have the greatest number of possessions. So don't believe it. Don't buy into the lie that that's going to fulfill me. Another thing that we think, not only the possessions will fill me, but, but, but success would be fulfilling. Success always offers Short-term, short-lived fulfillment. Success is always short-lived fulfillment. And this is the truth about success. Look at this, verse 9. So I became great, and I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept, from my, I kept my heart from no pleasure. 
for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was the reward for my toil. Then I considered that my hands had done, then, then, excuse me, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had experienced in doing it, or expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So can I challenge us? Let's conduct a work check and evaluate what are we working for? Are we working for the Lord, which is the path to meaning, or are we working for ourselves, for this world? Oh, we got to answer that question. We need to conduct a work check. Second, uh, number three, point number three, we need to conduct a lordship check. Now, let's think about this, a lordship check. Look at verse 12. So I, can, so I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. What wisdom is he, is he talking about? God's wisdom. There's more gain in God's wisdom than in folly. Look at this. And there's more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to, them, to all of them. Folks, we are called to have a close and intimate relationship with our Creator. He is not our buddy. God is not our buddy. He's our Lord. He's our Lord. And, and I pray that, that as we look at the, the book of Ecclesiastes, that we do a lordship check. Who is your Lord? Is it you? Or is it him? Is he the Lord of your life? See, the, I love this. The wise person has eyes in his head. The wise person doesn't live in darkness. Flip over real quick to John chapter 3. I want you to see this verse. John chapter 3. In, in verse 19, in John chapter 3, says this. This is not on the screen. This is just for free, okay? Um, but John, 19, John 3, verse 19. Jesus said this. This then, verse 19, this then is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and yet the people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it. So that is his, that is his deeds. His deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. And see, I pray that we do a lordship check today and, and ask ourselves, are we living in the light? Are we living in the darkness? Do we, do we use the eyes that are in our head? Do we see what Jesus has done and who he is and what he can do in, in your life? And I'll, I'll just tell you, salvation when salvation takes place, there's a lordship shift. So think about this. Salvation takes place during 
a lordship shift in your life? Has there been a lordship shift in you? Where you have said, Lord, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And here's the point. We don't fit God into our lives. And this is the mistake of um, so many people that I see. How is God going to fit into our lives? No, our lives adjust to his call, his will, his plan. That's the Lordship check. Are you living your life saying, God, here's how I want you to fit in my world? No. Nope. We look at him and say, God, how do we fit into yours? Don't miss that. That's salvation. I don't come to Jesus on my own terms. And this is the truth. We, we come to Jesus on his terms, not ours. Don't ever forget that. And this is the point that Solomon makes in the whole book of Ecclesiastes. And the Bible describes in Philippians 2.10, so you know this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he's Lord. And folks, that, that's going to be the case of every person in the history of the world. And this is the reality. We've got to conduct a lordship check. Con the fourth thing, conduct a legacy check. And I want to ask you to think about the legacy that you're, you're leaving. Look what Solomon says, verse 15. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart, this also is vanity. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance. Seeing that in the days to come, all will have, long, have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after wind. Verse 18, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair all over the toil of my labors and under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What is a man from all his toil and the striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Boy, this is, this is a good word. And some of us have worked hard for our business or our retirement. And guess what? It's going to be left to somebody that didn't work for it. Because you can't take it with you. And none of you will. And it's important to realize that. You know, it's interesting. Um, most of us in this room are pretty normal. There's not going to be, you know... 
I, I bet none of us are going to have some monument in the city of Owasso about us. Or, you know, uh, our names aren't going to be on the water towers of this community. Um, I painted mine once on that, but they, they painted over it. And, and you know, um, it's just the reality. It's interesting, my nephew has done some, like many of your families, someone in your family's probably done genealogy research and, and all that stuff. The DNA stuff, I'm always skeptical about. But, um, but you know, I, we found, my, my nephew told me that I had a great, great, great grandfather who was a circuit rider Methodist preacher in Arkansas. So he had bad teeth and all these things. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, um, but he preached the gospel all over Arkansas. But guess what? I don't, I don't even know his name. I'd have to call my nephew and go, what was his name? And here's the reality. Three generations from now, your great, great, great grandkids are going, I'm pretty sure I had a great, 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 great grandpa because I'm here, but I don't know who, what his name was. Now, you know what? The legacy of my great, 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 great grandpa was not necessarily the power of his name, but the work of the gospel in his life. Because guess what? That thread of the gospel is still moving through our family. And if I could challenge you with a legacy that will last beyond your business, your retirement accounts, your rent houses, make sure the gospel is weaving through the thread of your family. Because let me tell you something, kingdom work is the only work that will make a lasting impact. Don't forget that. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. And fifth, we wrap up. We've got to conduct a legacy check, but also, number five, we've got to conduct a judgment check. Can I challenge you to not wait? A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to be on my deathbed, and I'm going to make a profession of faith. I prayed that for somebody this week. Lord, even if it's just on his deathbed, I pray he comes to Jesus. But you know what? We all, we may not have that opportunity. A lot of people I know go, yeah, I'll come to Jesus later. I'll tell you what, my life has been impacted by sudden tragedy. It's why I've already planned out my funeral service. Brad Ayler has a copy because he's my only friend that's organized enough to not lose it. <laughs> and, and you know what? Um, my life has been impacted by tragedy. You ought to do a judgment check when you stand before the Lord. Because all of us are going to stand before the Lord. All of us are. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14 causes us to do a timeout and to conduct a judgment check. You know that the Bible um, has prepared the world for two judgments 
that will take place. The Bible prepares us for that. In God has already prepared us for two upcoming judgments. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due him, whether he's done in the body or whether good or evil. So, so the Bible's prepared us for, for Christians. We will stand before the Lord and give an account for the way we serve the Lord. As a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, that's a judgment that is on our calendar. But you know there's a judgment the Bible reveals for those that don't know Christ as their Savior. It's called the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20 tells us this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth, the sky fled away, and no place was found for them. Then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then there was another book opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And I'll tell you what, we are called to let the world know there is a coming judgment. And, and I'm not a fire and brimstone. Well, maybe I am a fire and brimstone preacher. And I just don't yell as much, maybe. But I'll tell you what, there is a judgment. And if you ignore it, how foolish. How foolish. A life surrendered to God's purposes is the only path to genuine meaning. He said again, a life surrendered to God's purposes is the only path to genuine meaning. Is that where you are? Can I just say to you, that's where we must be. That's why we have invitations. I'm going to ask our guys to come forward. And we're going to have an invitation. And and as we have an invitation, I, I, I do want you to know you're invited. Walking down an aisle doesn't save anybody. But, but I'll tell you what, if you're today living a life that's not surrendered to God's purposes, allow this moment, don't let this moment pass you by. You could change that today. I don't know if you need to come and pray. You don't have to come talk to us, but our, some of our staff are going to be down here. We'll help you. You realize that's why God has put our church in this place? And so people would know the path to walking with Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to stand where you are.